This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. I think we will not have to like take too much time to figure out if we have any John Wick revenge scale uh, games for the Super Bowl because I think Andy Reid might get up there, might break the scale, or it might be up there on the scale. But wow, that was a weird uh, championship Sunday. Unbelievably uh, weird. I mean, the first game we'll get to, that, I mean, one like, of the two, weirdest two games, games I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. We were like barely through the first quarter and it was like this, that NFC championship game was like, okay, this is, this is going to be a strange one. Anytime you got a Josh Johnson appearance, you know, you're, you're in for a strange one. So, that was like the fourth but, weirdest thing that happened in the first quarter. <laughs> and then we got into, uh, yeah, an awesome, awesome night game. And what I think is becoming one of the best rivalries in the NFL. It's I don't think that's a, it's not a grandiose statement saying that. And, and the players are acting like that. And I think that's awesome. And that's what happens when they both win, uh, both teams win divisions. You get these repeat matchups and we're in for a couple more next year. So, uh, what a great, great AFC championship game to cap it off with a lot happening in that game too. We'll talk about the bizarre ass NFC championship game a little bit later, but let's start with the game we just watched. And let's start with the final play. The first thing I, I want to say, I feel awful for Joseph Asai. Yeah. I feel awful for him. I understand that you can't do that. You just, you cannot do that. But he knows that. He knows mm-hmm. he can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I was at the 2014 NFC Championship game in Seattle. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was the game where the Seahawks came back and won. Yep. And Brandon Bostick dropped the onside kick that allowed the Seahawks to come back and win. And I will never forget being in that locker room after the game. And the Seahawks, their visiting lockers are huge. They're really mm-hmm. big. They're gigantic. He had crawled inside his locker. like He oh, was no. trying to disappear. The only thing you could see were the tips of his shoes coming out of the locker. He was trying oh, to just no. go away. And obviously... That shapes his entire career. It shapes the way that people talk about him. It's the first thing that comes up when his name is mentioned. He's talked about this. I mean, it is mm-hmm. a, it's a life-altering event for him. And I know that in, in the moment, it's got to be incredibly painful for Bengals, for Bengals fans, yeah. for everyone who loves this team. But that's a really, really tough moment, even if it's one that you brought upon yourself. Right. And considering what he did in their first matchup he, and other he played plays great today. made. And he played amazing today. Had probably the best game of his life today. And you got to think, even though he's not a rookie this year, uh, I believe, yeah, he got hurt his first year. It's that that's the biggest game of his life. He didn't I play mean, much that's at the all biggest last moment. season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, he, he, I mean, this is like the, the biggest moment of his life and it's just emotions and that it just happens. Like just stuff happens. That's, that's sports. That's the human element of this game. Um, but on top of it, that's what's, I don't know if it's irony is the right word, but you could have the best game and people remember that negative moment. And it could be the opposite. You could have a terrible game and people remember the the highlight that you have at the end of the game. So, but that's just, that's sports. And I mean, honestly, you do feel bad for him because that's just, it's not, it's a lot of eyeballs. And like you said, that's what people remember your name as until you have another moment that takes that away. Where do you want to start outside (laughs) of that final play? I think the other element of talking about that final play is Mahomes even scrambling pulling off that scramble on one foot clearly he's hampered the entire second half of the game i mean he tries to throw that one throw 
moving to his left, coming back to his right, off his right foot. He clearly yep. tweaked it when he did that. He had trouble moving yep. around throughout the entire second half. They're down to three receivers on that side. <laughs> I mean, they were really just trying to get this thing over the finish line the best way that they could, and they ultimately did it. They did. It was That's the thing with those injuries is the adrenaline wears off, even though, yes, it's a tense game. It's just your human body like reacting, and then you know probably the shots he got wore off as the game went on, and it was cold. But you could see it hampering him. The, he had a bootleg. Uh, was, I think he had a little flick pass to Sky Moore. Mm-hmm. And I, I tweeted this. He looked like Big Ben last year when Big Ben had to do a, had to do a bootleg where he's just <laughs> shuffling out there. And it's like, yeah, but that's what happens. It's cold. But the fact that he could scramble and get that play, it was just – it was tremendous. Um, I mean, the cat and mouse game we knew would be pretty awesome between the Chiefs offense and, and the Bengals defense. And it was. There was a lot of cool little twists that these teams were doing. Bengals – doing a lot of robber coverage, taking away that stuff over the middle, especially with Kelsey, and then seeing how Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs staff kind of adapted to that, using Travis Kelsey as a decoy. They ran a, they ran a play with him on the backside blocking, and two Bengals defenders are like, who are supposed to be guarding Kelsey are like, well, what do we do now? Like, they did, like Logan Wilson's like, well, I guess I got a blitz now. He like blitzes late. That was the MVS uh, little sale route and uh, that went for like it was the third and eight. It was right before the um, – uh, the fumble where the Mahomes weird play. And I was having a feeling of deja vu that it was right then and there. The chiefs again, just like a week 13 driving to maybe go up two scores. And then they have another wonky turnover. And I was like, I hear it. This is the Bengals. They hang in there. They do enough twists to make it hard. And they pull out these games, but the chiefs came out with it. It was just Chris Jones overcame a lot. <laughs> Chris Jones dominated at times, and that's why you voted for him Defensive Player of the Year. It was just moments like that. No one cranks it up more than Chris Jones, and that's why he is the closer in this league. And but it was just it was it was stars making plays on both sides of the ball. Chase and Higgins, Mahomes yeah. scrambling, Chris Jones, Burrow. So Burrow had some tremendous scrambles uh, and other throws that he was just throwing on the money as well. But it was just, that's what the playoffs are is the stars start taking over. And that's what that game felt like, especially in the second half. Chris Jones, it's third down. The game is on the line and they put him over the right tackle. He absolutely roasts him, comes up with the sack, but he made a dozen plays in this game. Even the stat sheet, I think he only had like six pressures, which seems low. He was double teamed consistently throughout the game. The final play of the first half when they were trying to go to Higgins at uh, the right pile on, he mm-hmm. was double teamed and still blew up the play. Several times when he was left one-on-one, he either got a pressure or got home for a sack. He had at least two run stops in the game. I mean, he yep. was the best player on the field, in my opinion, yep. over the course of the game. And he finishes off with that huge play on that final drive. A final drive that only happens because Andy Reid elects to punt right. on fourth and eight with like two minutes left. And he was getting roasted on Twitter for doing this. It was I think it was a 99.8th percentile cowardly punt since they started tracking them or whatever. Surrender index, whatever and it is. Yeah. I, as soon as they hit the fourth down, first of all, very good choice in my opinion by Zach Taylor to decline the penalty. The fact that they thought yeah. it, when he initially took it, I was like, have we watched the illegal contacts that's, or the, the pass interference exactly penalties that happened in this game? There's like, no you do way not give I'm Mahomes him- more plays. It's not yardage. It's plays to Patrick Mahomes. That's the plays you're trying to avoid. There's no way I'm giving him another one. So they decline no. it. And it's fourth and eight from, I believe, what was the 38-yard line? And Reed elects yeah. the punt. Yeah. I get – my first thought as soon as they were trying the punts about there was like, why don't you go for this? It's fourth and eight. Like it, it, yeah. it's you you can't gain that much from a punt. But if you don't get it, you're it's a tie game and they mm-hmm. have to kick a field goal to win it. 
typically I wouldn't think that way. Their offense could not move the ball. Mahomes is totally banged up. They're down to however many receivers that they had. Mm-hmm. I can understand in that moment just thinking our defense is playing really well, even if I'm giving mm-hmm. Joe Burrow the ball back one more time and I don't want to leave the game in his hands. If we don't get this, we're essentially giving them the ball with 10 yards to go until field goal range. So right. I didn't love it, but I can understand it in that moment more when you consider some of the contextual elements of the game than what happens in a vacuum, which I don't think a I lot think- of those models are taking into account in that moment. I think healthy Mahomes, it's a no-brainer. Then yeah. now it's like, ah, like that. He saved that scramble for the very last drive. <laughs> so he, he, that was the last thing he had he to was, take. He was like, oh, God. I, I, you could see him even on the sidelines. You could, he was talking to Matt Nagy, and you could tell he's just like, please, you could tell he's like, please make this. I, I don't know if I have an overtime in me, <laughs> especially with this weather getting cold. He would, but obviously it's going to be a, a drag, pun intended. But it, it's the, but with the Bengals, like, I understand, like, that was the best this Chiefs defense or, I would say in the previous matchups, the Bengals offense would have like a light bulb go off or and that they would figure out, oh, they're doing this against us. Okay. And they started to do that. Hey, we're going to do the split backs with the seven-man protection. Yeah. But I feel like the Chiefs had a counter punches to the counter punches in the second half. And that's like this was the first time in their four matchups in two years where I actually felt like the Chiefs defense was kind of, I would say, in control, but like was – throwing punches as I think they well, were dictating that side of the dictating. ball more than they have in previous matchups absolutely yes. especially in the second half like they've come out in the first half and then the Bengals adjust and then they don't adjust to the adjustment and I think this game they're like oh okay this is what you want to do we're going to do this and so I think that's what I'm kind of agreeing with you and saying that this was maybe I don't say I'm agreeing but it's that this was a time where you would trust the Chiefs defense if they did have to make a stand like this would be the one time I would as opposed to the three previous matchups I think I go for it I don't I did not like the decision I think I but I, I still, again, I'm trying to go through what he may have been thinking right. when he made that choice. So there's, talking about, there's a lot of people that don't remember early career Andy Reid, and uh, this was a lot of flat, a lot of PTSD flashbacks for a lot of people that watched some of those uh, old Eagles teams in the early 2000s. <laughs> it was like, here we go again. <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. I thought that talking about guys again that stood out and I think kind of shaped the game. What those receivers did for Cincinnati, oh, I think, just God. a consistent reminder of give your guys a chance to make plays, and when those, when yep. you have those types of guys, they're going to be able to make plays. Like Higgins going up and getting that ball, Chase going up and getting that ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, the play that they called and the design for him to run through that double team in that exact yep. situation, going forward on fourth down, I mean, that was a huge I think that today was one of the biggest takeaways of the entire game is that teams were rewarded when they yep. were aggressive. You know, if the Bengals yep. have no shot in that game if they decide to punt on that fourth and six and not go for it. Going for it gives them a chance. And I think that today was one of those moments where consistently we were reminded that if you are going to push it in those spots, typically it's going to work out for you over long stretches of time. We'll talk about right. it with the Eagles, but that decision by Cincinnati actually put them in a position to potentially win this game. Fortune favors the bold. I mean, especially in a game like this. And when, when your players go make plays, the T. Higgins touchdown where you just – to pick the ball off, it was it was like pretty, wasn't it? Oh, like it that was a, it was like, it was, that's, it was that so is your p- ideal version of football. Is is what Dude, that play is. looked like? As soon Dude, as that happened, I was winner. like, oh my god, ball winning bullshit. Nate absolutely ball loves winner. this ball out right on time, perfect spot, ball winners. Doesn't even matter if you actually guarded like the corner had no chance. Even if he did look like it was still no chance on it, but it was just perfect. But that was again, it, it's that play was the the Chiefs had a good answer for what the Bengals wanted to do. So every time that this is how the double move happened on fourth and six two, when he was the lone receiver, they were bracketing him. They were they were in quarters like the whole game. There was a couple blitzes, but it was that 
bracket quarters that Spags loves the whole game. So when he was the lone receiver, they're double teaming him. Then they're bracketing Irwin in the slot because Boyd went out. They manned up and they kept doing this. They would mug up the linebackers, but they would man uh, cover the running back and the tight end. But they're hug rushing where they the Bucks love to do this, where you act like you're you just stand there at the line of scrimmage, and when he leaks to the flat, you just cover him man coverage. But th- what they're doing is, hey, you have one one on one here, true one on one. It's to the field, and it's only to the outside with a corner playing heavy inside leverage. So really, it's go balls, comebacks, and stops. Like That's what you're reduced to on the outside, to the field, too. And that's kind of like a players break shit. <laughs> that yeah. like Good players break your rules. And they even if you have the perfect call, the hardest coverage for what you want to do, Burrow puts the ball perfectly, and Higgins makes a play. And that's why the players matter, even if the scheme is perfect. But I just thought that was awesome. It was a great call defensively. And I thought Spags did an awesome job all game. I love their game plan this whole game with all those quarters coverages. We can talk about that in a sec. But I thought that was a perfect example of, yes, even if you have the perfect call and at the perfect time, good players can still make plays. And But when you're reducing them to making those plays, that's that's not a bad Thing for the defense that's a long rambling way for good call good play <laughs> i thought there were a couple individual guys on the kc defense that came up in big moments as well i mean that brian cook tip on the interception they try to go yes. to the exact same play to t higgins on the other <laughs> side and yeah. he responds he obviously plays it better than he did the first time with chase yeah. gets the tip gets the pick i thought that dana had a couple great moments in this game left one on one really kind of come on like he's, he's a nice little yes, situational guy i mean if it's nice. gonna be third yeah. and eight and you know chris jones is getting double teamed he's somebody that can take advantage of some of those he got the big Absolutely. holding that was the third and seven slant to chase he gets yep. he draws the hold Make forces a punt yeah. and he had a couple other pass rush moments in this game i thought overall I mean, you probably would hope this because the Bengals have three backup offensive linemen in. I thought right. the Chiefs' front affected the game more mm-hmm. than Cincinnati's front did. I know that if you look at the box score, like the advanced box score after the game is over, the Bengals got a lot of pressures. But I think that's because Mahomes was hanging on to the ball for a really yeah. long time. He was able to hang on to the ball because there weren't a lot of quick wins from nope. the Bengals' defensive line in this game. So overall, I thought the KC's offensive line over the course of the entire game played pretty well in this one. And it was also Andy Reid understanding like, hey, yes, Orlando Brown was our big ticket guy, but he, they chipped help for him yeah. with Hendrickson over and over. Hendrickson, sometimes pass rushers just have like one of your tackles or one of your linemen's numbers. Like they just have moves against them. They have counters. Um, uh, guys like Mitch could probably speak to this where it's like, I just don't have it for him. It's like a pitcher and a, a batter sometimes. And I think the Chiefs were very intelligent about this was how many times you see Jarek McKinnon chip helping, chip helping, chip helping. And I think that led to Mahomes be able to sit in the pocket and find those spots. Uh, it was a uh, – but like the – oh, I want to talk about too was the the Chiefs defense had a really cool play. It was a second and eight. And I think it was either first and ten and went for two yards or second and eight and went for two yards. So the, uh, the Bengals were in kind of a – uh, two by two formation. They put Chase on a huge orbit motion. Yeah, you know, but they're they're doing the kind of zone uh, bubble stuff just to f- affect the the Chiefs kind of overhangs and their rules. Chiefs are in man coverage. McDuffie's on Irwin. He's near in the slot. He's near the for, uh, the offensive line, the left tackle, and he's running a windback where it, he's kind of lead blocking. and comes around the side. But what was so cool on this play was I saw that the Chiefs had an understanding of what the Bengals were trying to do. Them both of the linebackers, Bolton and Gay bumped over into the box tighter. And then on top of it, McDuffie 
runs into the box into the light. I'm going to tweet this play tomorrow because it was so funny. He just sprints right back into the box. As soon as he sees Irwin start wrapping around, like they knew what the Bengals were throwing out there. So it just really spoke to me that they like these chiefs players were dialed in on what the Bengals wanted to do to them. That's why they got those double moves. The Bengals did because that was the counter to how aggressive this chiefs defense was playing early on. You saw all those digs to chase because it was their high lowing. It was quarters. Hey, what's high low it. And then you saw the bracket on the quarters, and then you saw the double moves off of that. But it was kind of a cool, um, a lot of change-ups to change-ups and counters to counters. Uh, and that's what happens when you get repeat matchups, and it happened on both sides of the ball. I was trying to look up what the yak numbers were for the Bengals in this game, because I thought the Chiefs did a very good job in this game of tackling in space. Tackling. And yes. against the run, against the run, against the game. little <laughs> quick completions to chase. So decent amount of yak from the Bengals overall in this game. But I think part of that is driven by Burrow checking the ball down a lot. They had zero plays with more than 15 yards after catch in okay. this game. So there was no explosive plays after the catch. Compare that to last year. Compare that to last time these two teams played. Right. So I thought the way that they tackled was big. And. I guess Dana was really the last guy I wanted to mention. So I think we have to talk about this, obviously, is the refereeing in this game and some of the moments that happened. Them allowing another third down to happen when they stopped them on third down is truly bizarre. I mean, that's one of those plays where if I were a Bengals fan, I'd be absolutely livid. We see the replay. He is coming on. But I can understand. You watch that unfold. It's like, wait a second. They're getting another play on third down. And Mm -hmm. so that's its own situation. And then the miss block in the back on the punt return by Sky Moore, I would also be livid about that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I don't want to get too far down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole here. No. The Chiefs had a touchdown waved off from an Andrew Wiley oh, yeah. holding call. Yep. The Bengals had an interception waved off because of a defensive pass interference. If you look That's at right. most of the penalties the Bengals incurred in this game, the PI on Hilton is a little bit weak. But the defensive mm-hmm. holding on him early in the game is absolutely a penalty against MVS. So I think most of the calls in this game were probably warranted. The redo third down and the block in the back are obviously huge. But I don't think this is some grand conspiracy by the league to try to get the Chiefs in the playoffs based on the way the entire game was called. We've talked about this. I always think the call is kind of even out. Some Well, we might talk about that in the next game. But it was also it's one of those things where it just I didn't feel like any of those were like, truly the ones i was like oh my god that that really cost them the game it's like yeah they're more annoyances as opposed to like those truly altering terrible plays it wasn't the Rams saints pi yes you know the that a few years ago that it didn't feel to me as a neutral observer of this game that's that's what it felt to me anyways um also just want to uh, uh talk about like putting how, how the more how miraculous this performance was from Holmes because how no run game was going on really for the Chiefs. Yeah. Like they had a couple plays. Yes, we talked about this. Being in the gun is not, they don't, they're way less effective running from the gun. And you felt that today. And also just that they were like uh, finding those throws, scrambling for all the stuff. The the touchdown that he had to MVS where he's throwing off his bad foot in the red zone was just like a laser off his bad leg. That's uh, like just so many amazing plays. That's like, oh yeah. You're Patrick Mahomes, and you're really, really good at football, even with a hobbled leg like this. I want to talk about the throw to MVS as well, the one that Romo, I think, construed as a bad throw because it was behind him. He sits him down there. MVS yeah, he's is, an anchor ball. He, MVS is crossing. He's running a crossword from right to left, 
there's a single high safety that if he puts more air under that ball and leads him can probably Smoked. get to it. So he sits him down between the corner and the safety. It's probably not exactly where he wanted to put that ball, no. but he gives him a chance to make a play. And by the way, MVS made a bunch of plays in this game. Uh, he had, he had game. that one, a couple other plays from the slot where he had another fake yeah. over return for a big completion. And then he got, he, he drew the hold. So, I mean, without yeah. him being a downfield threat and then he had the huge yak play, I mean, he was a key part of what they had to do offensively today after losing everybody else. He had a yak. You said the key yak play. He yeah. Had yak. Like, I'm, that's, I'm not known as MVS as a yak guy. Like, that's, so that that, play, that's though, remarkable. They yeah. use him as like an orbit motion guy. And I have to assume that's a Tony play that yes. they could not run because, because Tony out. was out. So MVS is like running the orbit motion and catching yep. the swing in the flat. I was like, what the hell not is going on here? <laughs> not this game. But hey, he got vertical. And on top of it, early in the game before the receiver's injuries happened was the Chiefs were using all their tight ends in really fun ways. They they kept motion Kelsey into the slot and do all the hip stuff. That's what the hook and ladder came on. Um, so they did that. They did the same formation uh, like four times on this drive. It was it was the yeah it was the drive that came along the hook and ladder was they would have three tight ends to one side, one receiver to the other side. They would motion Kelsey into the slot. So you have two tight ends to one side, Kelsey and the receiver on the other side. Uh, hip slot is what I call it, YY wing. And they did it a couple times. They did it a couple times on the drive. They ran out of it. They threw out of it. And all of a sudden they had Kelsey with his hand in the dirt. And then Fortson was the guy in motion. Even for me watching that drive, I was like, that's weird. Something's something's weird here. They did that for a reason. Sure enough, it was a freaking hook and ladder, which would have been amazing. <laughs> and then on a couple of plays later, on the third and forever, you could see Kelsey getting ready to pitch it. And you could hear the whole, yeah. all of Arrowhead go, no, no, <laughs> please not stop. Uh, so I thought that was great. But um, the fourth and one sprint out TD was out of 13. Yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of good that they like had that in their bag that because they needed it with all the receivers get, dropping like flies that they had to go to those tight end looks. So luckily they had that kind of part of their game plan already established throughout this whole season. There was another the burrow back across his body play that ultimately was not intercepted when they called the penalty. That was another no, no, no play. I mean, the yes. moment he starts throwing that, I'm like, especially no, with burrow. Joe, please. No, that's not your game, man. <laughs> that's, that's. I thought that he did a very good job settling in over the final yes. two thirds of the game. Because early on, I was concerned about the way that their offense was looking, not just mm-hmm. because they couldn't protect up front, but I thought that he was getting a little skittish in the pocket. The interception that he threw, he double clutches on that play. It, it's, mm-hmm. It was a really nice play by Watson getting physical yep. with T. Higgins from the slot. Yes. But he double clutches on that. He looks totally out of sorts. I was like, this could be bad if he's starting to really – have that internal clock get sped up because he's worried about what's happening in front of him. It's been so long since he's had to play like that. And mm-hmm. eventually they really settled in, which I did not think was a guarantee, but still was not enough. And like you alluded to, the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Yep. This is a team that even when it's not perfect, even when they're banged up, even when they sometimes have to win ugly, they have been around and in these moments essentially since Mahomes became their starting quarterback. And yep. It's important to kind of step back with stuff like this and just appreciate how hard it is to consistently be in these positions. And a couple bounces of the ball and they lose this game, but a couple Mm -hmm. of bounces of the ball in the 2018 AFC Championship game of D Ford's not offsides, they they're in that Super Bowl. Like there are so many different ways that we can construe this. Yeah. Or last year. It's you have one or two different plays. One or two yep. plays go the other way, and the outcome changes. It's all about putting yourself in these spots as yes. often as you possibly can. And that's exactly yes. what they've done. And now 
you have the MVP of the league, the best player in the league, has two weeks to hopefully get right along Mm -hmm. with their receiving core. And you would hope that we see a much better, healthier, put-together version of this team against the Eagles in two weeks. Yeah, and when not Kelsey has a back injury coming out from Jay Glazer. Oh my god! The game. When I you, was getting groceries. So I was like, "What?" Somebody texted me that, and I was like, "Kelsey's hurt." When, when did I miss that? We did all you put it in the Slack, and I had the exact <laughs> same response. I was like, "What do you? What?" I, yeah. Uh, for uh, for some reason, I was so discombobulated. You sent it yeah. in the Slack, and I was like, "Did I miss the start?" No, that's same. not the first game. I was like, "Did I miss that's, the start of the game?" I, yeah, I was exactly totally I thrown off. Oh, I know. I looked through my notes. I was like, did we just gloss over this on Thursday? Like, oh, man. Uh, but no, talking about the bounces of the ball and and something I've uh, really have kind of likened football to is a lot of like comparisons to poker. And, and, you know, there's chess and stuff, but poker sometimes, is, especially in Hold'em, you put yourself in position to win. Sometimes the cards just don't go your way, but it's yeah. all about putting yourselves in those positions to win. And yes, sometimes I, I keep betting 70% or 78%. I'm going to get the cards right here and you get bad, bad run of cards, cold cards on that. But I think that's <laughs> Chiefs or having Patrick Mahomes is like always having aces <laughs> where it's like, yeah, sometimes we lose on this, but we're always going to have a chance. We're always going to have a really good chance going into this game. But that's what. I mean, the Bengals were a really good team this year, and that's why this game was like this game where it felt like, oh, bounce this way or bounce that way. It's two really good teams going at it. That's how football breaks down sometimes. It's not fair. It's not fair that sometimes it comes down to a couple ref calls or one guy slipping or a penalty or a guy, you know, or or throwing an interception at the worst moment possible. Like, that's just kind of how football breaks down, especially with two really good teams. But the fact that Mahomes is what this is five in a row, and this is going to be the third uh, Super Bowl in five years. I mean, that's remarkable. It, the NFL is ridiculously hard to make playoff runs to win one game in the playoffs, much less going to the AFC Championship game, and much less going to the Super Bowl. It, it's truly, truly remarkable what they're doing. And on top of that, looking back at what that that the Eagles are going to the championship as well, or to the Super Bowl as well, makes you think of Andy Reid and his Eagles days and yeah. how many championship games he made with the Eagles. Like God, he's he's just the king of this weekend. So. It's really good coaches and, and really good players, and that's why this game felt that way, where it was just like a couple of the plays going either way and a couple of stars making huge plays when it matters. As a Bengals fan, it's a tough moment. You, We've talked about this all season, especially over the final three quarters of the season. They were a better team than they were last year. This yes. team was more dangerous. They were better top to bottom. I know they had obviously endured some offensive line injuries down the stretch here, but this was a better team, a better roster, just better position than they were a year yeah. ago. And this year they don't get there, but it's still hard to not be enthusiastic or optimistic about where they sit. The Bengals have $44 million in cap space heading into next season. just looking at it. Okay. Yeah. And that's obviously a product, as Brandon Bean will tell you, of the rookie contracts that they're working <laughs> off of. Okay. Joe Burrow next year has an $11.5 million cap hit. Joe Burrow this year, this offseason is going to get an astronomical amount of money. It's going to be so much. I mean, so much it's, I'm happy for him. I mean, it's going to yeah, be... Deserves. deserves. We'll see what the number is. <laughs> I, I have to assume it'll creep up near $60 bucks a year, but that doesn't kick in next year. Next nope. year, he's still on the fo- fourth and final cheap year of his rookie deal. And the Bengals don't have a single guy on their roster next year slated to make more than $15.5 million. DJ Reader yeah. and Trey Hendrickson are both sitting right there. Big ones. So yep. they have a chance to kind of keep pushing here with yeah. those guys still on those deals. A couple key free agents. You know, Von Bell is going to be a free agent. Jesse yep. Bates is going to be a free agent. Jermaine Pratt's going to be a free agent. So they have some tweaks to do, but they have the resources to do it. Like this team can make a couple 
big moves if they want to to put themselves right back in position to get here again. They are actually like more positioned to make a Von Miller type move than yeah. <laughs> like you know if they they if can make a Von like Miller was, type move without overextending themselves like without the Bills had exactly. To. Well, it, it's crazy. I mean, you just look at the deals and just see what the 2023 deals we do on some of these websites, and it's just it's really nice when you have Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T Higgins as well as Joe Mixon all under contract along with your quarterback. Like that's pretty fun. Where it's not like man, we need a new. We have a hundred catches to replace here, 120 targets. Nope, they're all. Bring it back. So you just some of the question marks are still going to be there, of course, the offensive line stuff. But again, I think that unit is extremely well coached. So if they inject some talent to there, they can maybe get to this next phase uh, of the Burrow kind of you know arc uh, as a bangle. And I think we've talked about this. This is what the good teams go through sometimes. It's really fun to see them kind of remodel and retweak. But a lot of this core is going to stay the same. The difference makers, the guys making the big plays tonight are coming back. And, and that really, really matters. And that's that leaves you in a good spot with not a terrible taste in your mouth that maybe you might have with some of these other teams. I wonder what how different the offense will look personnel-wise. Because obviously Lyle Collins is signed to a deal last offseason. Yep. But they can move on from him if they want mm-hmm. to. I mean, he does not have a lot of guaranteed money left in the second year of that deal. So I thought he played much better uh, – down the stretch than he did early he did. in the season after he being hurt in. for most of training camp. He but, got some bad PR. I mean, he wasn't great early, but people just remember those initial weeks where he was looking rough. He played more than fine at the end. So do they say, all right, we feel okay about our tackles. We have Jonah Williams and Collins mm-hmm. under contract. Kappa was obviously signed last offseason. Yep. So was Ted Karras. Do you feel like, all right, if we get a slight upgrade at left guard, we can roll with the other four stars that we had and feel good about it. I don't know if that's how they'll approach it, but that's certainly yep. an option. You have to feel good about your pass catching options. Yes. <laughs> Maybe tight, you, you're cycling through a tight end every year, it seems yep. like, with Uzama and then Hurst. Do you try to go get a real guy that gives you some pop at that spot? Or do you say Hurst played well for us, bring him back on a reasonable mm-hmm. deal, and you use some of that money on defense? They have some younger players in the pipeline from this draft, dr- this yes. draft specifically to hopefully replace some of these guys. Dax Hill is under contract, or Dax mm-hmm. Hill is a rookie. He didn't play a lot this year because they have Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Cam yeah. Taylor Britt played a ton this year because Awuzie was hurt. Awuzie will be back next year. So hopefully Cam Taylor Britt and Awuzie would be your corners. You still have Mike Hilton. And then what do you do with safety? And then I wouldn't be surprised if they just tried to go out and get another piece or two up front just to yeah. kind of make that group a little bit deeper. Osai gave them a lot, especially mm-hmm. in this game and then down the stretch. And I thought that he was obviously a nice little thing to just drop in that you didn't have last year because he was hurt. But just a little bit more juice in those spots. And then what happens at that other linebacker spot with, with Pratt as a free agent? So. I, I feel like c- compared to last year when it was like they need O-line help and everything, it's they're sitting in such a better position as far as like there's nothing that's like, a, yeah, yeah, they have needs, but it's nothing like glaring where it's like they, they have to address this. It's more yeah. like, oh, they can take a lot of pass. And that's you just breaking down like Dax Hill didn't have to play too much, and you know, but they have him in the pipeline. That's what – good team building does yeah. that's when you just you don't have to play these guys you can use them how you need to and you don't have huge glaring weaknesses that you have to address you can kind of go choose your adventure in the offseason so i feel like from 12 months ago even though we figured that the Bengals would progress as a team and get better and more sound on top of it i feel like they're in a much better better situation than they were even 12 months ago when they went to the super bowl so it's kind of it's funny how that works jesse bates is on the franchise tag this year i mean by all accounts, they were never planning on signing him to a big mm-hmm. kind of market setting free agent deal. I would have to assume he'll be gone. I would like to see Von Bell back. 
he's just such a good player for the way that they play yeah. defense. And just he can be somebody that is such a stabilizing force as they're trying to do all these different things. He's so versatile. I think mm-hmm. it would make a lot of sense to bring him back, even if you think that the price tag for Bates might be a little bit too rich for you. Because they're going to have to start paying these guys. I mean, yep. beyond the cap hit that Joe Burrow is going to take up next year, you're going to have to throw a lot of cash at that contract for whatever he's going to get in guarantees. And it's going to be an expensive offseason for the Bengals, even if they yes. have a decent amount of cap space. So it's important yeah. to think about that. But I still think they have a little bit of wiggle room if they want to do some tweaking here in important spots. And that's the other thing you don't want to start. I know, I'm just talking about both sides of my mouth. Like, yeah, they could do whatever they want. But it's like you also don't want to stub your toe because then you got, you know, T. Higgins is coming up. You know, the year, like you don't want to, uh, uh, the opportunity cost of all this that can matter down the road, but that I think they're going to be fine as far as, cause just how they usually go about the off season as the Bengals are not the ones to really break the bank all the time. So I actually think that's going to work to their favor. I also, you don't have to sign guys for four year deals guaranteed. No, the Bengals also don't sign guys with guarantees until like year three and year four. And yeah, contracts. just look at Hendrickson's deal. Hey, Hendrickson has $5 million dollars in guarantees yeah. left after this year. And it's only been two years that. in. So I no deal that they, they sign that? is going to put them in a bad spot or two, three years from now. So no, whatever fine. they're going to do just by definition is going to be something short term that gives them flexibility. But if you want to try to go out and sign one or two guys as one-year rentals because you're trying to give yourself yes. a little bit more depth or you know yes. just the types of moves that we see from teams that are really trying to put the pedal yes. to the floor and win a Super Bowl, I think that they're in a position to potentially do that based on the core that they have. I think the best way I can sum it up, uh, all this is their window hasn't changed. Like the window, I feel like it's still the same, same, same size and everything. And they can even prod it open a little bit more this year. All right. That is all we have on the AFC championship. We are going to take a quick break and get back and talk about a very weird game in Philadelphia today. (laughs) Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, 
What real, a fucking real bummer. Real quick, though. I did nail the score in the AFC Championship game. Atta we won't boy. talk about who I picked. Well, we won't talk about who I picked, but 23-20, I did nail the score again. But that, that, that's, all, that's, love, that's all that matters. I love people being like, you guys should apologize to the Chiefs. It's like, Why? it's a coin flip game. It was a coin flip game. And I don't know if you game. know the best player The best player in the world is on a high ankle sprain. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> it's so, so funny. All right. I know. Let's talk about the NFC Championship game. What a fucking bummer. I, yeah. It, my, the first thought I have when Purdy goes out is that I cannot believe that we have to deal with four string quarterbacks in this NFC Championship game that we were so pumped about. And then Josh Johnson gets hurt. And then Purdy comes back in. He can't throw. Can't throw. Uh, everyone was like, all right, why don't they just run the Wildcat? You just going to draw it up in the sand at right. halftime? <laughs> yeah. It- maybe they don't even have like terms for that that's what i mean i don't i don't think you need if you didn't practice it at all which why would they they have the best offense in the league they don't need to run a bunch of gimmicky wildcat shit they're not planning that and purdy needs to be in the game because the offense can function he can at least hand the ball off and christian mccaffrey doesn't have to be your quarterback there is no good plan or good solution when you're down to a quarterback who cannot throw a forward pass against the best team in the nfc like, I, I understand it's tempting to be like, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? At a certain point, there's no, there's nowhere else you can turn. Uh, no, uh, there. I saw a few tweets that were saying stuff like this that I thought was hilarious. It was like this felt like a, some high school playoff game where the starter comes down with mono or something like that, and <laughs> and they have to start the freshman quarterback because he's the backup, and the, so they just run the ball in the entire second half. They 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 ran the same reverse play the Debo probably like five times in the second half because that's all they got it's it's so hard to change midstream and on top of like you're saying to run a functional offense okay say cmc is the wildcat quarterback that's to like that's a break glass in case of emergency to run through like one series it's not to run like a dozen plays you only can run like two or three plays his own read it's gonna be really hard to turn (laughs) to say like okay now we're running like quarterback keep to to the outside out of nowhere like you said drawing in the sand it just it just is a bummer because like you know, you kind of felt some like cool stuff happening in this game. I have plenty of schematic notes. And I kind of just in the second half, my wife, I'm in the kitchen and she, I'm like cleaning up in the kitchen. She goes, isn't the game on right now? I was like, yeah, it's second half. Like, yeah, <laughs> at a certain stuff, point, it was- stuff happened and I don't really need to watch this fourth quarter right now because that's how it felt. The quarterback gets hurt. The backup quarterback goes in. There was a punt that hit a wire at some point, but the refs couldn't decide that it actually <laughs> hit the wire. Right. Uh, there was a penalty on oh. a punt where a player was mm. thrown out of bounds, hit Nick Bosa in the leg, so he was now yep. banged up for the rest of the game. It just so it's the Murphy's much. Law game. Why I, there was a missed call on the fourth down completion to Devontae Smith that should have been overturned, but wasn't. That's and right. the Eagles go down and score a touchdown. It's it just so many weird things happened in the first quarter of that game, and ultimately none of them matter because the 49ers yeah. didn't have a functional offense by the end of it. Right. And like, just like even the, I know. So like, okay. So I was like really excited because I was like, okay, the Niners are still keeping them in it because the defense is playing well. But then of course, when Josh Johnson gets hurt, it's like, okay, this is, I mean, they had like three delay games. Like yes. not even, even with Josh Johnson in there, they had like all the delay. They could barely even get the play calls in. Like just, I mean, he's saying he can't hear the play call. It just, yeah. it, it, was it was a, a mess. nightmare. It was a mess. It, was, it felt like a preseason game. It really did. Even though it was the NFC freaking championship. But I mean, it was not to take away, like even like the Eagles offense, it was really cool to watch them find answers. Against yes. a really good I, I do want to talk about that. And I do want to okay. give them credit because I yes. thought a couple of the tweaks that they had were right. really important. And it's funny because the game was 38 to seven. 
and or 31 to 7 whatever the score ended up being the last week was 38 to 7 7, it's a 31 to 7 game and it sounds silly to be like oh man like this is kind of why i thought the eagles were going to win the game the eagles won the game because josh johnson got hurt and half of brock purdy played but the tweaks that they had with their run game in the first half that was why i thought the eagles would win a close game so what happened was uh ted did a really good job of outlining this and you can correct me if any of this is wrong but on the drive where Bosa made the crazy play on where he played both the running back and the quarterback mm-hmm. on the keeper to Hurts near the goal line, the Bengal, or the Eagles were in uh, trips, looked to the right side, and they ran to the trip side. So on their following drive, they come out and they run a little RPO to the trip side again out of a bunch, and they run to the weak side. And mm-hmm. so they have numbers to that side because Hufong goes on that side. And that was the first 17-yard Kenny Gainwell run they got a chunk off of. And then later on that same drive, similar kind of look, three receivers to the right side. They run the exact same play back to the weak side for the Miles Sanders touchdown. So clearly they saw something if they lined up that way and ran back weak side, what they could do. And the only real difference with how the plays were blocked is that on the first play, it's a three technique to the left side. So Kelsey just climbs to the linebacker. On the second play, it's one technique to Kelsey's side. So they run a little wipe fold where mm-hmm. he comes back around and climbs up to the second level. And so yep. it's a small, small thing, but that's why I have confidence in the Eagles offense because they'll find whatever little sliver of daylight you're yes. going to provide for them and eventually get a lot of production out of it. Yeah, they made it really hard on Jalen Hurts, the 49ers defense did, and the go balls are pretty tough to complete in 18-mile-an-hour wins. And this is the fifth best rush offense since 2002. This yeah. is a historically great running running offense. That's why this Eagles team is tremendous. They find different answers and they adjust. But no, that that breakdown, I I had it. I said Eagles started pounding the rock, and that was it. They so the whole game, whole game, whole first half, whole second half until game got out of hand. They were high, the Eagles were hiding the running backs' uh, strength alignment. So mm-hmm. they're putting them in a home position. So pistol, picture a pistol where the quarterback's in the gun with the running back behind them, and then shifting them to either strong or weak. Away. Strong is when you're towards the tight end, the running back strong alignment or normal alignment, a weak alignment away from the tight end. So they kept hiding it because the linebackers for the 49ers and Hafanga, they're really freaking smart. And they know, oh, okay, so if the back's weak in the gun, that's why it's some, usually it's hard to run from the shotgun. Yeah. It's because the, back, the back's alignment gives away what type of runs you can run. Some teams are very good. The Chiefs can be really good at like running same side runs. So you're hiding tendencies. But Eagles were smart. So they kept hiding it, kept hiding it. And then finally, they're saying, well, if we go trip strong, you know, with the running back strong towards the bunch, uh, the linebackers are kicking over because yeah. Fred Warner's trying to play both. This was exactly what the Cowboys were doing out of their formations last week where they're putting Fred Warner in a bind. We don't have to block him, just make him wrong. And so they just put him in a bind. It, it was it was it's so simple sometimes, but that's exactly what they did. And because the line on the Gainwell kick- play, he did not move. He, he literally move. did not move on that so seventeen yard Kenny awesome. Gainwell run. Because he's like, screw that! I'm not letting AJ Brown catch a slant behind me or flat behind yeah. me. Or but they were running God, bubbles. Goddard was running the little bubble, and so he that's just there was. was no good answer because Hufanga nope. was also on that side. It's just simple good football, and that that's what it is. But it, it's uh, those run plays and on the touchdown especially. Because they're bumped over, because Greenlaw and Warner are bumped towards the strength of the, the formation, that creates such favorable run angles, and they're running weak side zone. Like you said, Kelsey did a couple things different, but be- they are winning right at the snap of the ball, just because the linebacker, who he's climbing to, he already has leverage on. 
Usually on weak side zone, the center's racing to get his head across, so the running back has to make him right. Here, he's like, all right, I can just start. I'm already, already all the way across from him, so it's just a clear running lane for the for the running back. So, again, they find this always in every game. They started doing the one-by-three formations where the tight end's a lone guy, and they have three receivers to strength, and they were just running the flat stuff. And again, Warner, learning his lesson from last week, was running out with the flat. He's like, I'm not letting Adrian Brown catch these flats. And so they're just pounding the rock. Miles Sanders got like a little five, seven yard gains on that. Just simple football, just making them wrong without even having to block them. And then there was a tweak that the Niners had later in the game where they actually moved Hufanga over to that side, even when they had the three, the trips to the right and the, the trips to the strong side. So they yep. move him over. Bosa slants inside. So like, all right, we have this now because yep. we have one more guy over to the weak side. And that's when the Eagles ran that rpo quarterback draw with hertz and they had numbers to that side and they just had game well block and so yep. that's just it's a simple thing but that's what this eagles it's, team has done all season it's where it's like okay what are you giving us here's where the numbers are here's where we can create a numbers advantage and they've always yep. been able to find those consistently throughout the entire season and when this game was actually in question in the first half yep. they were slowly tapping into that stuff yep they always find they poke and prod, poke and prod. They've it's a pick your poison offense, and that's what it is. It was you saw the go ball early to Devontae Smith, the extended play, I should say, and the passing game just never got going. The 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 Fortnite's defense was snuffing it all out. Like they're really, really smart. They were making Hurts wrong a lot of times on their reads. They're playing really great rush discipline. Like Bosa yeah. was like how crazy Bosa usually plays, how disciplined he played this game was like it was kind of remarkable. I mean, he did Absolutely. such a great job. And that's because that's what Hurts does damage because guys get real. Oh, my God, I'm going to beat the Lane Johnson on the outside. Then Hurts just calmly steps up and out. And it's a nice like first down or he's throwing it deep. But again, this is why this Eagles offense has been tremendous. This is the best run team in the league this year. They can do this. They don't need those explosive pass plays. Yes, they do it. They have it. It's in their bag but they could still gash you in the run. That's why they're the number one team at the NFC. And they just did it. This is a fantastic 49ers defense. And they made they made the 49ers defense, defense wrong. Not a lot of teams do that. You catch them once or twice, but don't make them consistently wrong. And this is the first time it really felt like that. Of course, the 49ers offense led to this. But their, how their defense felt, it was like, oh, man, we're catching up. We're catching up, especially when the Eagles started to adjust. And they've done that. The Eagles offense has done that this entire season. The Niners got destroyed by penalties also on those first couple oh, drives yeah. and just consistently extending drives. Again, none where it was like, ah, that that seems like it's totally bogus or totally out of bounds. A lot of them, they're getting pretty physical at the line of scrimmage. They were doing that mm-hmm. in the entire game, and they were getting dinged for it. And that was really the only way the Eagles could move the ball when they dropped back to pass. But they absolutely found ways to move the ball consistently on the ground over the course of that first half. They did. Uh, yeah, no, a couple of penalties are brutal, but 49ers are... <laughs> They're a very aggressive team. Yeah, they, they play with their on fire. You have to be, especially with going against another good team, with a team that has equal talent to you. That a lot of these elite units aren't used to that. The Bengals and Chiefs knew what they were getting into. I'm sure the 49ers and the Eagles were kind of going like, "All right, we we're good, right? <laughs> like we're a good team, right? I just want to make sure." Like, and then they went, and that that's why you kind of see some of that aggressiveness. They don't know when to kind of wean back because they're not sure if that's good enough. But yeah, it kind of. Kind of lost some luster as the game went along. <laughs> I'm going to be the honest. Thing outside. I want, the last thing <laughs> okay, to mention, sorry. I think, before the game actually gets out of hand is the yeah. play that led to Purdy getting hurt. Hassan Reddick makes two ridiculous splash plays early in this Dominated. game for the, for the Eagles defense. And they we talk about this coming into the game. The Eagles were fantastic against play action this year. They were the yep. best team in the league against play action. And I looked it up. 
when he made those two plays, because I was like, I wonder how many sacks they got against play oh, yeah. action this year and whether that pumped up their numbers. Not really. It's okay. It wasn't totally skewed because of how many sacks they got, but multiple plays out of, I don't know if the second play was out of 20 or 12 personnel, but heavy personnel packages. They're trying yeah. to wad Correct. it up and black Reddick with either a tight end or a tight end coming across the formation. And twice it absolutely blows up in their face because he's just annihilating plays. Yeah, and that's a uh, that's an easy button training wheels part of the Shanahan offense. That's yeah. what makes the Shanahan offense go is those chunk plays. It's not having to drop back, but taking that not only just like because those plays are generally considered safe, like a play yes. action or a naked. Those are considered safe. A naked, usually as a quarterback on a bootleg, you are taught get the ball back to the line of scrimmage. What that means is me as a scrambler get to the line of scrimmage, or I throw the ball away and don't take a sack. Bootlegs. Okay, we have heavier protection. It's either shot or check it down. Okay, a sack can happen, but really we were hoping that it doesn't. The fact that they were just nuking like what's supposed to be a safe play, and that's that's not the 49ers and Shanahan offenses are always about being ahead of the chains. And so as soon as you put them behind the chains, it's like, oof, they're they're playing uphill. It doesn't matter uh how talented the receivers are or how talented of a play caller Kyle Shanahan could be. This Eagles team, I mean, this is just a plan coming together, man. Yep. You look at what they were last year, and they kind of stumble into the playoffs. They have this really weird team where they were super yeah. run heavy, and they make this midseason transition to this version of the offense. And Steichen takes over play calling, and you know they have to really operate one specific way because they don't really have any other way to move the ball because their passing game just isn't that elevated. Devontae Smith is a rookie. Dallas Goddard's a nice player, but Jalen Hurts is not a fully formed quarterback at all at that point. They get to the offseason and say, okay, we have a rookie quarterback contract and we have a lot of assets. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with this? They go out and they make the A.J. Brown trade. They use some of that excess money that they have to go sign Hassan Reddick. They yep. sign James Bradbury off the street. They go make the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade. They use every available asset to build the best roster in the NFL top to bottom. I don't think it's even a conversation for mm-hmm. 22 starters, 25 guys with a little bit of depth with the best team in the league looks like. It was absolutely the Eagles all year. And it was the Eagles, I think, coming into the season. The biggest question was, what sort of step could their offense take? And they made a bet by saying, if we go out and get some crazy pass catchers and we have a guy who really wants to get better, we have an offensive staff that we feel fantastic about that's going to put him in the right positions – with these bets, we can potentially get where we want to go, and now they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's that was the hangup was how much are they going to get out of this passing game, or is yes. it going to be gimmicky? Is it going to be RPO heavy? And as soon as they don't have a lead, it helps that they generally are playing from ahead in a lot of games uh, this season. But that speaks to how dominant this roster was. But this was the mainline, streamlined offense, and Hertz was a great trigger man for it. He knew how to get the job done. Seeing him learn, like really just being a quarterback and understanding, like I, I feel like he's so much more in control. Like you, even when he's huddling, he's kind of telling guys what to do. It just seems like it's he's confidence, more, man. It's I mean, confidence. It, it's just I mean, confidence. Uh, being being a Pro Bowl, second team All Pro will kind of do that a little bit. Like that will really boost your confidence. But also speaks, yes, they bet on him, and he's been remarkable this year. Just like mm-hmm. I said, he came in second in MVP, I believe, and second team All Pro, yada yada yada. Oh, MVP voting hasn't happened, but All Pro and all that. He will be Pro up Bowl there. Stuff. He'll be up there. He was a finalist, but is that he was more or less a non-factor in this game, and the rest of the roster is so freaking good that 
it didn't really matter. I'm not trying to knock Hurts. I'm speaking to he won them games earlier in this year by his talents and what he can do. But the fact that he didn't have to be a factor in this game and it still was a blowout is kind of just speaks to how awesome this roster is. I mean, how great this offensive line is in this run game and this defense can make it tough on a lot of offenses. There's not many offenses that have really tested this defense either. So it just speaks to how good this Eagles team is and just the position that Hurts has helped put him in this year. The fact that he, even when he's not moving the ball through the air consistently, can change the numbers in the run game and always yeah. give them an advantage there is a huge part of just what this team is. The and, Niners had a key on them. They every time yeah. they did a zone play, three like three Niners defenders are like, ah, like making sure. I mean, in in a good way, but that means they spent all week focusing on him. That means he is a tangibly good effect, like game changing type player. That's what he is this year. And the last thing about the Eagles, Jason Kelsey has several like highlight plays for an offensive lineman which how often does that happen with him it seems to happen very often it's, i mean it's awesome the guy just continues to kind of run up the score on a hall of fame career i mean just yeah. an unbelievable player and lane johnson doing what he did today banged up and just great uh, those guys you cannot say enough about those guys hopefully landon dickerson is not too hurt and mm-hmm. ultimately can play in the super bowl i'd love to see that unit at full strength yep. because they have been remarkable all season all right how about, how about Micah Parsons saying like saying like get well or that's awesome what Lane Johnson's doing? That, I thought that was pretty cool. Like I love when really like elite Hard guys. Hard not to respect like, him. I have to assume right. when you play against the man when you're watching him do what he's doing at how he's feeling physically against a guy like yeah. Nick Bosa. But and we just talked about we want Kelsey and Mahomes to be healthy in the Super Bowl. Same with the Eagles. Again, these guys it hurts another week that he can rest yes. his shoulder. All these guys like that's 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 what you want. Especially that's kind of the story a little bit with this playoffs. How it's kind of hasn't felt like a lot of 100% or even near 100% for some of these teams, 49ers being one of them, obviously. It's kind of like, okay, this is hopefully we get this week or these two weeks to really get these guys near full strength because that's what you want, especially in the Super Bowl. You want the best of the best. Typically, when we do these postmortems about teams that lost in the conference championship game, they sound like the one that we just did for the Bengals 10 minutes ago. Oh, right. you know, you know, they obviously have a superstar quarterback and they've got a good yeah. young core and you, know, you make two or three little moves and hopefully you're back in the same this situation. Is their window. They're so yeah. set up. I mean, they're it's just rock solid. <laughs> Niners are slightly <laughs> different story because I have no idea who is going to be playing quarterback no in week one for the San Francisco 49ers. We are going to have a lot of discourse about it, I'm sure, over the next however long. Oh what God. is your if you had to just gut feel? What do you think they do in assembling that room and figuring out that position this offseason? I say they still go with Lance because they're kind of going like, this was our guy and and this is who we tabbed as the guy. But I'm not like willing to bet on that. We're going to see so many trade like possibilities with Packers and 49ers and Jets. Everybody. Oh, my God. It's going to we're going to see so many in the next month or two. It's going to be so obnoxious. (laughs) If you're a team. That needs an answer at quarterback. Yeah. And you had a good a high grade on Trey Lance coming into the draft. Right. Wouldn't you at least call oh, and see what they would give him up for? Because they may be looking for an answer to Anything. make this decision a little bit easier on themselves. Right. And right. I don't know if today shouldn't 
change what their thinking was going to be. The fact that Brock Purdy didn't really play in this game, him playing well or poorly in one game shouldn't yeah. dictate what the Niners are going to do at quarterback in the offseason. But I do think it probably colors their decision making in some way. The fact that he didn't play great and they're not playing in the Super Bowl. Hmm. I could see it going a bunch of different ways. But really, no matter which way it goes, this team is still set up pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, they have $17 million in cap space because their quarterback is going to be cheap no matter, no matter who what. their quarterback <laughs> ends up being. And exactly. they've got a couple guys hitting free agency. Uh, Mike McGlinchey is a free agent. Ebucam is a free agent. Charles Menehu is a free agent. But it's really a lot of depth guys. You know, for the most part, the most important players on this team are going to be back next year. And you have to feel pretty good let's say it is Brock Purdy again about the machine that they have created on offense and what they can do. And this entire league best defense is essentially coming back intact. We'll see what happens with D'Amico Ryans. I think that honestly, outside of the quarterback question becomes the single biggest question about their off season, because none of these spots outside of Carolina have been filled yet. Mm -hmm. So I have to assume that he's going to get long, long looks at every single one of these jobs, especially now that their season is over. Yeah, and there, there's already plenty of smoke with the Houston stuff, and then that makes probably Denver a little antsy. Uh, so we'll see what happens with those two two spots, especially. Um, the, you know, the the death lineup is all coming back. The defense, like you said, is all the the players are coming back too. Yes, losing their play caller, who I can tell the players love and adore. Never helps. You never really like that. But hopefully you just keep churning that defensive line factory, find another guy. They had some young guys step up, Drake Jackson and everything. Like they had other guys kind of like refilling that pipeline, talking about that. Um, th- yeah, with the death line coming back, you know, losing um, some offensive linemen, of course, including our guy, Daniel Brown Skill. Um, but this is also the offense and play caller that is one of the best at kind of nullifying that and, and making offensive line proof type of offense. I know it's very hard to be an offensive line proof offense, but this is one scheme that kind of does it with all that bootlegs and stuff that we've talked about. So I you do kinda... think today was one of those moments though where you saw what that what can happen when you do that. Right. When you have Javon Hargrave going up against Aaron Banks and yes. you, you see where those mismatches are created every once in a while. And all of a sudden you start to have to drop them back and it's like Burford oh, against this Sue. Fun. Yes. Yep. You're hoping for it always to be a one-score game, so you never have to deal with that. But that—that's how they're built. That's what always been the mo about a Shanahan offense is that he would usually it was just even personnel that they used. It was oh they have a whole bunch of 290-pound guards and everything, so they can't drop back just because of the personnel they use. But now it just seems like even resources. They're like yeah, fine, we'll fodder. Like we'll fill it with this guy. They, they did. They have found some nice players there. I'm blanking on the right guard's name right now, but he he came Spencer along. Spencer Burford. Uh, Thank you, Burford. Yes, yeah, but he he yes he had some moments in the playoffs, but like he he's really a rookie, he's a fourth round rookie. But he came along great in the yeah. second half of the year. But it's nice that they find somebody like especially a middle. They're not going to give. They're not going to draft a lot of these guys high. I know they did McGlitchy, but they're kind. I don't know who what the deal is with him. What he's going to go out as a free agent, but they that's how they're kind of mo with this. But long story short is. I feel like they will find an answer and it won't really hinder them as far as next year as far as offense. It's just deciding the quarterback. This ra- they better be happy with this roster because for the most part, this is the, these are the guys that are going to be coming back next year because they right. don't have very many picks. Obviously, they traded their first round. Their first round pick went to Miami, which is now going to the Broncos. The second round pick is going to Carolina. Their third round pick, the one that is given to them by the league traditionally, is also going to Carolina. They have three. Condi- they have three supplemental third round picks. Right. 
was a cup. I was like, "What's well, it's cup. It's it's ten thirty. It's it's been a long day. They have three cups. The sandwich come sandwich picks. We go <laughs> baseball draft. Yeah. So they the right now I'm looking at it. They in the third round of this year's draft. They have the hundredth pick, the hundred second pick, and the hundred and third pick. So <laughs> just wrap it up. Because those are the, the only ones. Those are the only ones that have been handed out so far. I mean, they, the yeah. actual comp picks have not been awarded. So, um, though they'll they do have some draft picks. We talked about this in the show with Barnwell. Mm-hmm. They've consistently you know gotten more of them. They have a couple more in the fifth round through various trades. But I mean, you know, they've made a big bet on the McCaffrey trade, and we've seen what the returns on that bet can be. And we'll see if oh, how about that it, touchdown run. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> I, I was I, I was screaming what a fucking run at my TV just like oh in my, my basement because it was just such a weird disconcerting game that I just yeah. at a certain point I was just yelling at my television. Oh, my, my yelling, speaking of yelling at te- uh, television, Mahomes now has got me in trouble twice because I've woken up my son because <laughs> I made a noise. I yelled. <laughs> so today his throw his touchdown throw and then the other one was the Fortson throw against the Chargers on the wheel route. So those two throws, I've woken up my sleeping infant son and gotten in trouble for doing so. So Mahomes has caused two of those this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, again, just a bummer of a game, the fact that it had to go down that way. Yeah. We were so excited about it. But again, it's about putting yourself in that situation. And the Eagles were a fantastic team all season. And even if it was a strange championship Sunday, Eagles-Chiefs is an amazing Super Bowl. It's- I mean, the the storylines, the actual game seeds. itself. I mean, we, we have a fantastic matchup awaiting us in Arizona. We'll have a full slate of shows for you guys this week. A little bit different. Obviously, we're not going to have a Friday preview show, but you know, Nate and I will still be doing a bunch of shows over the course of the week. We're going to do a mailbag with Mitch. So athleticfootballshow at gmail.com. We're going to do that later in the week. If you want to start sending in your questions now, I will obviously tweet out the phone number for you guys to leave some voicemails. I, I think we're going to be recording that on Thursday. And then me and you are going to do something in the middle of the week. We'll be back with right. Sando tomorrow. So please come check that out. We got a lot of coordinator coach news to dig through. Uh, Kellen oh, Moore yeah. eats Kellen one Moore. for the Cowboys. A lot of stuff to talk about there. So please come back and check that stuff out. And then listen, uh, a week from tonight, I'll be in Arizona. Oh, is, are you getting there Sunday? I'm getting there Sunday. Okay. I get there I'm, Tuesday morning. I'm getting there Sunday. So I will be there all week and we will have nice. a ton of fun stuff coming your guys' way from Radio Row. Obviously, one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. The amount of football talk that we're going to have and the amount of oh, tacos yeah. that I am going to consume <laughs> uh, during my six days in Phoenix. Uh, it's going to be remarkable. I, I'm... I'm just excited for that. We did. We, oh man, remember last year our preview show, our super, the one we did live as like as the as the other that other show was screaming in the background. I, I so do remember. Getting, I do getting remember. louder and more amped up throughout it. I'm juiced up for that. I love that Super Bowl preview show because that is a that's like every facet. It's like we're talking about holders and like gunners <laughs> and everything. That, that's how you know we're like. We we talk about these teams a lot once we get to that level of detail. But I'm so I'm so fired up. Get to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm like I I I haven't I've been giddy ever since you told me that. So <laughs> I'm excited excited to get to Phoenix. Excited for the Super Bowl. Excited for this matchup. Last year I think I had you consume like 10,000 calories over like a two day stretch. So I will also yep. will be reprising truffles, that as well. The, you you had like this truffle pasta that has been in my brain since then. I was like, a Felix Victoria like, in Los Angeles. Yeah, because I don't like truffle, and I meal. actually was uh, yeah, or it was uh, it was the pizza thing or the flatbread, whatever it was. Yeah. But I like don't eat that usually, and it was fantastic. I'm not picky or anything, but it's just not. I'm not a truffle guy. Been in my brain for a year, so I'm excited to try some some more new things with you, buddy. 
thoughts. Uh, I'm already concerned about what I'm going to look like after that week is over. All right, guys, thank you very, very much for hanging out. Thank you for hanging out with us all season. Yeah, you know, we are here. It, the That's Super Bowl awesome. was in a couple weeks. Really, really had a great time. In the meantime, please rate and review the show on your podcast platform of choice. You guys have done an amazing job over the last like month or so, leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Keep it up. If, if you like the show, please, please just let us know uh, through the course of the year. It helps us. It means a lot to me. I truly consider it a personal favor. So thank you very, very much. It means a lot to us. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. We're going to be doing more stuff on the YouTube channel during Super Bowl week. We're yeah. going to have our entire video crew down there. So if you were listening to this in podcast form, you can just click on the link to the YouTube channel in the description. Go subscribe now because we're going to be doing a lot of that stuff in the next couple weeks and then into the off season. And if you do not have a subscription to The Athletic, you can do that at theathletic.com slash football show and read all the fantastic work from the guys covering all four of these teams, but also our yeah. Eagles and Chiefs writers. A great combination of beat writers for you guys to follow if you do not we have zach and bo obviously covering the eagles and we have my good buddy nate taylor covering the chiefs we will be talking to all of them over the next couple weeks but if you do not better nate work yes the much better nate uh if you do not follow (laughs) the warrior i'm the wario nate that's (laughs) you guys should absolutely check it out but that's all we have for now i'll be back tomorrow with sando appreciate you guys listening we'll talk to you soon This was the Athletic Football Show.